0: What's up Dolphins and welcome into the Tuesday, October the 9th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the one good thing about losses like the one Miami suffered on Sunday is all the talking points that it generates. We'll discuss Miami's house of cards situation, the key data from the game. We'll get some sound from Adam Gaze's presser and discuss the coach's general mood. And we'll wrap things up on a positive note as we are wont to do. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, leave us that rating, leave us that review. And the reason I ask for those ratings and reviews, it helps the show get discovered by more dolphins. So it really is the best way you guys can help us out. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins. You can find my work on Palm Beach Post, FanRag Sports, and a variety of other publications talking about the Miami Dolphins, but none more important than LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network, and of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. For all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, it is a Tuesday, so we do not have injury reports yet, which means it's time to kick off the podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins! So the ironic thing about the lack of injury report is what the injuries have done to this offensive line, and as a result, the offense in general and what they have built in terms of what appears to be a house of cards with this offense. The offensive line troubles with not having Josh Sitton or Dan Kilgore, and now you have guys pressed into duty that you maybe wanted to have playing limited reps in a pinch, not playing a 13-14 game season. And what all that does for Ryan Tannehill and his confidence in the middle part of the pocket, the middle part of the offensive line, as well as creating balance for this team, and without that you're back to the very familiar yet unwanted Miami Dolphins offense we have grown accustomed to over the last two decades since number 13 the great one retired and the fact that the Dolphins only score about 15 points per game on the road and show really almost no threat no real imminent danger for the defense to have to defend certain areas of the field that's a concern a lot of teams get in that situation and they can move the ball down the field down by two scores late and they can get things taken care of but for this Dolphins offense everything seems to be a challenge and most teams have to prop their quarterbacks up that's how the league works there's only a few of those elite guys to go around they are almost impossible to find And in 2016, Miami started doing that with that winning streak. But as they did, Tannehill's development became such that he could will the team to victories without much of a running game or even kind of shot a defense on the other side of the ball. He did it in San Diego. He did it in Los Angeles in back-to-back games where outside of two big Jay Ajayi runs, one in each game, there was absolutely no ground game there for Tannehill and the Dolphins offense. Well, here we are back in a familiar spot and the plan this offseason appears to have backfired. And the reason I was so bored. On this team was because of the construction of the offense. I liked the fact that they had good pass protection up front, a good interior part of the line that could create a pocket for Tannehill to feel comfortable in, receivers that really kind of played well with what Tannehill does in the short, quick passing game, and the depth I thought was good enough to withstand those nicks and bruises you'll see any season, especially on the offensive line. You know, those one to three week type of injuries where players have to come in in a pinch and just keep things together. If this team had Sitton and Kilgore coming back, I would still have that confidence. And we're going to get into the performances of the offensive line, the not so great performances in this next segment. But I just don't know where the offense turns from here and adapts its identity because I don't think they have the personnel to develop one at this point. There's a great-looking young core on the defensive side of the ball. I talked about it on Twitter. There are five impact players on rookie deals. Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, and Jerome Baker appears to be on that track as well. You have a couple more guys that could become that in Charles Harris and Raquan McMillan. Both guys played well in the game on Sunday. You have your steady veterans like Bobby McCain, and then the older guys like Rashad Jones and Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn. That's a damn good-looking defense, so how do you complement that? It would seem that the ideal situation, especially playing in Miami or even an offense that can travel in January on the road when it has to, would be to marry a stout defense with a good, solid running game. Well, that sure as hell is not going to happen this season, this offensive line, is in utter shambles. Well, how about the big play offense? It just hasn't clicked yet. It could, but right now, Ryan Tannehill is regressing. And that's it, man. I I hate to admit it, but this isn't the same guy we got during the 2016 run, the six straight wins, the seven out of eight wins. The game was slowing down for him. He was better pre and post snap in his reads and his arm was very live. And while the latter part of that might be true, he is really, really, really struggling with the mental aspect of the game. Every game, he has mental lapses. Every game, he's too loose with the football it all has to get better I think it can we'll talk about it later in the show but it did get better in 2016 and it did get better in 2014 when he was up against pretty similar adversity in his career but as has been the case like it was in those two seasons Ryan Tannehill essentially over the next 11 games is playing for his career as the Miami Dolphins quarterback and I know that some of the people out there want to see that happen want to see him go by the wayside but there really isn't a great solution to his replacement this season. Sure, you can find somebody in the back end of the first round, middle part of the first round. You can draft someone in the second to fourth round, a developmental prospect. But do you really go into the draft or taking a player like that that you just feel like it's going to be a home run? You feel like it's going to work? Because the problem you have with a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill is no matter how much you dislike him the fact is he is going to be difficult to upgrade on because there just aren't that many good quarterbacks walking the earth and Tannehill is a good quarterback he's never been elite he's never going to be elite that's the part that I really want to drive home on this week of kind of crappy podcast he's just not going to be that player I was hoping it would happen this year the year off the year watching the game from the sideline the year learning the game from the coach's perspective it didn't happen I don't think it's going to happen but he still can become that 12 to 15 15 range quarterback we all talked about all offseason long. It just depends on how much around him you can support this roster and get that roster playing up to a level where Tannehill becomes not just a game manager, but a guy that you can be effective with attacking teams down the field in the passing game. So that adversity is going to play a big part of his career over the next 11 games. And speaking of that adversity, we're going to get to some sound from Adam Gaze's ultra depressing media availability on Monday. We'll do that and cover the key PFF data from Sunday's Lost. We'll do that next, but first, a word from our friends at MyBookie. And if you guys are looking for another form of entertainment when it comes to the football season outside of the Miami Dolphins, I would urge each and every one of you to find your way over to MyBookie, where you win, they pay. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very simple to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way over to MyBookie. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fancy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business, and since book. MyBookie- Bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best possible service. If you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll kick in an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use promo code LOCKED ON. One word, LOCKED ON, to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code On when creating your account for up to $1,000 in free play money. And if you want to hang out until after 7 p.m. Eastern and get an extra $25 free play, you can do that by using promo code LOCKEDON25 for the free $25 play. It's up to you guys, but I would wait until after dinner and take the extra money with MyBookie where you play, you win, you get paid. Almost 48 hours removed from the loss on Sunday, depending on when you guys listen to this podcast. But I want to get into some of the media availability from Monday's press conferences with the coaches and the players, and particularly Adam Gazes, who just sounds so distraught and so beaten down after that game. You could just tell it really affects him, which I suppose is a good thing. But at the same time, you kind of bring it on yourself. He talked about how spending 110 hours on a game throughout the course of a given week, which is every week, and to lose that game, it just sucks. It feels like you're getting kicked in the nuts. But I wanted to share a piece of sound with you guys, or actually two sound bites, rather. We'll start here with the first one. And just kind of notice Gaze's demeanor. And the picture really helps tell you the story more than the sound does, or equally does as much as the sound. But his head is hung low. He's kind of hunched over his shoulders. And just talking in this tone that really doesn't inspire confidence, you can tell he's really beaten down with this answer right here. Last two weeks, two losses in very different ways, some losses hurt more than others, just the way the game works. Every, every loss hurts. When you put a hundred and ten hours into a week and then you get kicked in the nuts like that, it pisses you off. So, I mean this isn't this isn't like nine to five. You got a lot of people putting in a lot of a lot of work into this stuff. And you can imagine why he has those feelings after a loss like that. You put so much work into it. Things go right in so many ways. And then to lose the game just really pulls the rug out from underneath you and kind of makes you question, what the hell are we doing here? Like, why am I spending so much time? To not get results, and I understand how he feels in that regard. Sometimes you feel that way on the podcast, not to conflate our two plights, so to speak. But you can tell he's beaten down. I understand why. But here's the question that really kind of shows his demeanor as being not the most happy guy, but also the response here to what is the main struggle or the main reason for the offensive struggles. This was Adam Gaze's answer to that question. We're moving the ball fine, and we have a turnover that basically started a free fall. You know, we have a thirty-one, which don't execute the play. You know, after that it was all downhill. If he thinks this offense is moving the ball fine right now, I don't know what the hell he's watching because they are near the bottom of the league in every imaginable category, whether it's plays, ran, time of possession, passing offense, running offense, scoring offense. It's all terrible. So why he's saying that, I have no idea. That's just kind of who he's been throughout the course of two and a half years with this team. I don't think it'll change. But the good news is I think that typically when Adam Gaze gets in this kind of mode or demeanor, he tends to go even deeper into his work and grinds even harder. And coming back home, that has to be a good recipe for this team. Facing back-to-back home games, they really needed that to happen. Even though it's a tough opponent next week in Chicago, coming back home definitely helps let's go ahead and shift gears here and talk about the aftermath column up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. You guys can find the entire schedule of blog pieces written up there on LockedOnDolphins.com. But just talking about where this offense ranks, 27th in yards per game, 20th in rushing offense, 27th in passing, and 28th in scoring offense. They are 29th in third down percentage, 28th in points per drive, 30th in time of possession, and dead last in plays ran. Just not going to be good enough, not going to get the job done. On offense, they had 64 snaps, which was actually a nice change compared to the 44 and 42 or whatever it was a couple weeks ago. Kenyon Drake outsnapped Frank Gore 41 to 26. Kenny Stills led the way in the receivers with 60. Albert Wilson 58. Danny Amendola 53. Mike Kosicki had 30 reps. Nicole Leary had 28. And then the offensive line was all starters across the board throughout the game. But Laramie Tunzel had 38. Sam Young had 26. And the offensive line, we talked about it in the open, was absolutely dreadful in this game. Ted Larson had six pressures allowed. He had a crappy run-blocking grade. Sam Young Young allowed four pressures on 20 reps, and he had two penalties—an absolute tire fire—that puts Ted or Sam Young 109th out of 109 offensive tackles. Laramie Tunzel's 28th. Jawan James is 46th. Ted Larson is 70th out of 86 guards. Jesse Davis 57th out of 86. And Travis Swanson had a nice game. He is now 10th out of 44 centers. Ryan Tannehill has now fallen off a cliff statistically. He is now 37th overall graded quarterback on Pro Football Focus, 20th in passer rating, 15th in completion percentage, and his interception rate is 7th worst among starting quarterbacks. Frank Gore has the 34th most rushing yards. Kenyon Drake has 39th highest tally in the NFL. Gore averages 4.3 yards per carry, and Drake is at 3.9. The receivers are still kind of rounding into form. Jakeem Grant, 19th in yards per route run. Albert Wilson, 32nd. Kenny Still 61st, and Danny Amendola 93rd going over to the defensive side of the football the defensive end reps mostly went to Charles Harris and Robert Quinn 42 and 41 respectively Jonathan Woodard had 25 and Cameron Malveaux had 19 the linebackers Kiko played every snap all 60 of them as did Rashad Jones and Xavier Howard Jerome Baker got on the field for 34 reps. Rayquan McMillan, 43 snaps. And Tory McTire plays 57 snaps when Minka Fitzpatrick only plays 41. That's the biggest head-scratcher of the day. That's unacceptable. Very poor personnel planning by the Dolphins staff. Although it's hard to get on the defense for what they did in the game, they just can't have that. Fitzpatrick has to play every play. He's one of the best players on this team. He needs to get out there. And speaking of Jerome Baker again, he had two sacks and four run stops. He was excellent in the game, as was Raquan McMillan with five tackles, four of which were for run stops. And he allowed three catches on three targets, but for just 10 yards, a good number for him there. And Rashad Jones' return was fantastic, playing like the all-pro that he has been in the past. Registered a pressure, eight tackles, four run stops, and batted a pass that was picked off. And he cut the Bengals passing game down for negative two yards on two pass targets. An all-pro type of day for Rashad Jones. Vincent Taylor continues to impress, playing very good football. He had a blocked field goal in the game, three pressures, and two more run stops. He is consistently filling up the stat sheet Sunday after Sunday, and that's a great sign to see. Alright, I know a lot of you guys follow the podcast and the Twitter handle and the Locked On Dolphins blog page for the optimism I tend to bring, so I do apologize for going a little bit in the other direction, just trying to call the game like I see it, and even though we're at 3-2, and two, exactly where I thought they'd be at this point in the season, it just feels a little bit less encouraging than I thought it would at this point at 3-2, and two. but I'll tell you why there are reasons for optimism next As we are two days removed from the loss, and maybe things become a bit more clear, I'll tell you how this team can respond and get back into our good graces as fans, and I'll do that next, but first, a word from our friends at Blue Chew. And there's one surefire way to ensure that you don't enter the game the way Sam Young entered the game on Sunday. I'm talking, of course, about BlueChew.com. That's blue just like the color. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, halftime, after the game, pregame, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever your number is called, whenever Laramie Tunzel goes to the concussion protocol. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no more in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free today with Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. October the 9th, a Tuesday podcast here on Locked on Dolphins. We have had two straight losses, two straight weeks of bickering on Twitter and talking about the future, talking about scouting quarterbacks. It has not been a fun couple of weeks for Dolphins. We were just 15 minutes away from a 4-1 record atop the AFC East and everything seems to be crumbling down around this team even though 3-2 and two before the season would have been an acceptable record. And I'm going to tell you why we can get back on that train here with just one more win next Sunday. As yesterday, we ended the show with something of a memorandum for Ryan Tannehill's time here in Miami and how maybe it might be time to move on. And while that very well could be the case... Some emotional things tend to get said after a bad loss and there's a reason I went dark on Twitter for a couple of hours after the fact but even as time passed I thought everything through that has happened through five games with this team And the same thoughts came through after the emotions passed as this offense is stuck in neutral or maybe even reverse. There's no confidence for me in this offense to save the defense. When things started going sideways on Sunday, you could almost set your watch to the fact that Miami was going to have turnovers and three and outs and piss down their collective legs on those final drives. This is nothing new. We all know the type of season starter Tannehill has been in his career, just not very good. Even in the 2013 season when the team was 3-0, he wasn't playing well then either, but it was masked by winning games. He does tend to turn things around this time of year almost exactly, and wouldn't you know it, the Dolphins get their best advantage. They have... Imaginable for the next two games, a return to Hard Rock Stadium, a building where the offense under Adam Gaze and Ryan Tannehill scores 13 points more per game than they do on the road, a place where Tannehill's numbers improve dramatically across the board, and how that trend could continue into 2018 because we go back to 2014. We all know about Joe Philbin's non commitment to Ryan Tannehill as the starter. He then goes on an eight game stretch with a passer rating over 100. Same thing happens in 2016, although this time has the confidence of the coach he plays eight games wins seven of them with a passer rating over 100 so it's not over it's not even close to over guys the reactions are what they are on a monday it's just nowhere near as abundantly clear that he has arrived as we all hoped it would be we all hoped that the time away would improve the mental aspect of the game but it just hasn't he is still so lacking in pre-snap recognition, post-snap identification, and the ability to deal with pressure and find different avenues to escape the pocket. He looks like he's going backwards, quite the opposite of that progression. And like I mentioned, winning some games covers those things up. There was a missed wheel route to Frank Gore against the Titans that I thought was really bad, or the underthrow that got intercepted in the end zone to Mike Sicki by Malcolm Butler, or the bad fumbles against the Jets. Those things get excused when you win the game. But you look back at the body of work, he just hasn't been good enough this year so far. But to the other side of that, he is a better player than what he has shown so far. I expect he'll get better over the next two weeks. Yes, the Bears defense is an absolute nightmare with Khalil Mack leading the way, the possible MVP of the league right now. But their offense is not that great either. Miami has every opportunity to get right in the next two games. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least that... If Miami gets these last two losses back with wins over the Bears and Lions and heads into Houston for a primetime game at 5-2, like I said, would not surprise me in the least but that is it for my time on the podcast today, guys. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us the review. Helps us out big time. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at weekly NFL, the show at Locked On Fins, and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a crossover edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.